everyone, and welcome back to the Lions Den Podcast, episode number 26. I'm your host, Fatty, and uh, I have a very special guest with me today. I can confidently say that this is the first time in my life that I have met a Coptic female with this career path, and I came across this this profile actually someone that was previously on the podcast had uh, recommended her and right when i saw what she was about i said you know there's no doubt i gotta get uh, this super cool individual on so without further ado everyone meet marina how are you hi oh my gosh how are you thank you so much for having me i'm doing very well thank you so much for giving me your time it's uh, it's my absolute pleasure to have you on how are things going it's my honor uh, to be on uh, things are are going good it's crazy times but um i'm i'm happy to be with you in the present moment yes yes and i'm happy i'm happy to have this conversation i was like i was kind of thinking about it for a long time i'm like what am i gonna ask her like i i, I want to find out so many things and it's like i'm just you know what let's just get right right into it so because I, I i bet you everyone's listening and like kind of confused like what does she do tell us <laughs> so um so why don't you tell our listeners what it is that you do marina yeah for sure so um, my name is Marina. I'm, I currently work as a barber at a barbershop called Throne uh, in downtown Toronto. And uh, so I focus on male grooming, I guess you could say. Um, and I'm actually also the founder of a collective called Barber Babes, um, which I think we'll be able to touch on later. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So you are a barber. That was not as you know, people you heard that correctly. She is a barber. Yes. And and she's saying she says she's focusing on male grooming, but she's kind of being modest. She's (laughs) not trying to tell you that she's going to give you the best fade in Toronto. (laughs) I've seen your Instagram and, and honestly, very, very clean. I've seen all kinds of fades, all kinds of tapers, low, high, mid. You know, it's it's clean. It's clean. I'm not going to lie to you. So um, much. Thank you. And I'm very I'm very interested to hear how this all started. But uh, what is the what's the path that you took here? To, uh, so is there education required to become a barber? Do you need some sort of certificate? Well, how does that work? So to be a barber in Ontario, you can take two paths. You can either take the um, so we're considered a trade um, under the Red Seals trades. Uh, so. Okay. You can either do apprenticeship or you can go to school. Now, to go to school, you would, there's kind of, there aren't very many like barber schools or hairstyling schools um, that focus more on women than men. So my path towards barbering started back in 2012, um, where I kind of started just shadowing other barbers. Um, I just, I was, I was watching a lot of like haircut tutorials online um i was practicing yeah that was that was like my life during the beginning of covid <laughs> by the way like if if you went th- if you went through my instagram feed it was all like different um clippers different machines oh yeah because i was like man like barbershops are closed like i'm looking right. terrible right. like i'm still getting on video calls for work right. so i was like i'm gonna go crazy and just try to give myself a fade and look i tried to cut my hair and it really did not work out for me <laughs> i had to hide myself for a very long time um but I think that a lot of people were in your position as well to be honest yeah. with you, i've never felt like more needed than like during covid <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and i think um i'm actually super excited to, to really get into that because i think a lot of people were hit really hard by covid and, and you guys definitely were hit really hard because you did have to close but yeah. i want to know you know in detail what it's like when you came back but before we get into that mm-hmm. um 
how old were you back in 2012 or like or like were you still in high school had you left high school at the time like when did you really start to fall in love with this so i was 21 back in 2012 okay. so you can guess okay. my age um <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't until i dropped out of college i was taking business at the time okay. I started that program just because I didn't, coming out of high school, I had no clue what to do. So my dad's like, hey, you're good in business. Why don't you take business? So I was like, okay, um, which I did. And, it, you know, I didn't have the mindset for school um, at that time. And I didn't feel passionate. I didn't feel excited about my program. Um, so I dropped out and I actually ended up getting a job as a receptionist at this barbershop in Scotia Plaza. Okay. So that's kind of where my passion started because I remember just being mesmerized by yep. the barbers kind of doing their thing and just like the process and the transformation of it all just like ena enamored me. And so that's kind of like where the spark happened where I was like, hey, I think I see myself learning how to be a barber. Yeah. And, and to that point, I think there's like there's like two distinct experiences i don't know girls can probably be different but there's like two distinct experiences for a guy that are like super happy moments one is like going to the lcbo and like you're just like everything's around you. you're like going out going to the you know going away to the cottage on the weekend and you have so many options yeah. around you like for me personally that's like a cool thing yeah. um and then the second one is hands down getting a haircut, like hands down. And there's a different feeling like you're just in there. You're like, oh, man, like I've been waiting for this. Like for me personally, it's a countdown because my barber, the way he works, I'm booking Monday and I'm probably going in around Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm hyped. I'm like ready, checking it off the calendar. So I, I can definitely you. I can definitely like see what you mean by that. During especially during COVID, like barbershops are one of the only places that are still open. You know, we came to a point where now restaurants are being shut down, gyms are being shut down, so barbershops are still open. So people are yeah. coming and it's 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 no longer like a necessity, it's more of like a sense of community at this point because we realize that like we're one of the few places that are open, so we wanna make that count, you know? Um For sure. For sure. So you, you got a job at a barbershop and that was, uh, you said it was downtown as well? Um, Where I first started or currently? No, like where you had the receptionist position. I think it was downtown yeah. you had mentioned. Oh, it was on um the business, in the business district in Scotia. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you so you started there, you sort of saw the experience, you saw how the barbers work and you were mesmerized. You're like, okay, I'm going to start to, you know, embark on this journey. So what is the first step that you took to get to where you are now after that? So after that, I actually made the decision to go back to school. Um, a lot of my clientele, um, a lot of like the, like I didn't start working as a barber there. I was just going off um, in on my days off and just like watching Okay, okay. Um, and so a lot of the clientele were like business executives, they were lawyers, they were doctors. And so having a lot of conversation with them and kind of just talking about goals, talking about business, talking about kind of just um, different career goals, um, I started to really get inspired about, you know, maybe potentially opening up my own place. Um, so I decided to go back to school, back to um, George Brown, which I, I was studying um, business admin. And then, then in my last year, I was just focusing on entrepreneurship. So okay, then cool. after I finished that, I got my diploma there. Um is where I decided to apply to my to the to to kind of start a, a more solid apprenticeship full time at this barber shop in Durham, 
which is where I'm from, and I currently live. Okay. Okay, cool. So I guess the, it was a lot of, you know, education to start, and then you yeah. watched and you started to do more hands-on later on. Now, mm-hmm. how did you – I just want to learn about how you went about building your clientele um, and refining that skill set. Like, obviously, when you're starting um, – you're you're a bit behind you know like everyone is you know they have more experience they have more reps more goes at it and you're kind of fresh and you're like okay i need to get some experience and so tell us about that and what that struggle was like so i mean i knew that i wanted to grow um and i felt like in order for me to grow i needed to go downtown i also felt like i needed to go to a more urban barbershop um where the skills of like fading and um straight blading there's is more prevalent um whereas where i was working in Durham was just more classic haircuts um so i knew that i needed to go downtown to grow i knew that that's where the business was going to be um and so Throne Barbershop decided to k- take uh, a chance on me, give me a chance. And um, that, that's got to feel good, like especially <laughs> being kind of like because uh, look, the, most of the barbers that I know when I ask them when they started, they'll say I started on 16 or 15 or sometime in high school. Right. And you started your journey after 21. Right. So right. You, and I also, kind of, it's not like I had a whole bunch of guy friends that I could cut in my basement or my garage. <laughs> exactly. There were gonna exactly. Be no men coming to my house with, you know, Coptic dad. Um, you know, that, that wasn't going to be the case for me, you know, exactly. And and not just that too. Like when you're in high school, everyone's willing to give you their head for experimentation because nobody cares. (laughs) It's just like, I, like, I remember we had that friend in high school and you just funnel in his basement. It's like five bucks a haircut. Like it's not even, he's just getting his reps in. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's it's good for him. It's good for us. And, um, you know, they're they're a bit seasoned by the time they get to, you know, that 20, 21, 22 age. But y- you had a different experience. And for you to get that validation from throne, it's got to feel great. Like, wow, these guys can, you know, they see what I can do. Um, But I think there's a big misconception and I try to and you may probably definitely experience this because you are an actual barber but when I have the conversation with my parents it's hard for them to imagine barber shop experiences being what they are in today's time because I feel like when they think of a barber they think of back home in Egypt Mm -hmm. and in Egypt there's either a hair salon like a hairdresser or like what they call a halet like you know you just go like (laughs) like whatever just a quick cut like they're all using the same razor no alcohol like one of those kinds of scenes and 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 you know barber a barbershop experience is not that at all and a lot of the newer ones and especially if you're downtown like you you have a different you know level that you need to uphold so can you actually tell us about what goes into being a barber that actually has nothing to do with picking up a machine and going at someone's hair like i definitely agree with you like i think the vibes of barbershops have definitely evolved i think a lot of barbershops are looking towards creating an experience um, and a vibe as opposed to a sick haircut. Like, okay, yeah, now all of us are good barbers. Everyone knows that we can cut hair. And this is, you know, a question that we've been asked recently by um, the shop owners. It's like, what what do we offer aside from the haircut? Um, so Yeah, and, and that's key. Like, that's really the separator, right? Like, right. Uh, you can have people that have similar skill sets and can cut hair and can give really good fades, but what's going to make me come back to you? 
like what you know what what is that separator and that's what you got to find in yourself and like for me i like punctuality and i like efficiency you know like i've had i've had a barber who is a great barber a great guy but it was an hour and a half haircut and it was like dude like that's a long time to be sitting in a chair Mm. and um and then i've had other guys who are really good barbers but their punctuality was off i'm always an hour late or whatever the case may be right and you got to find what's best for you so i mean that's very valuable information do you know it's valuable (laughs) to me i think it's valuable to a lot of barbers i think a lot of barbers should be asking the clients what do you want? Yes. Like, what do you want to see from us? Like, what can we do to make this experience better? Um, I think like at Throne, it's just, it's a very, it's a very cool, like chill vibe. Like we listen to hip hop all day. Um, and we try to put out like, you know, good music out there, like the newest stuff, the newest hip hop. Um, we, you know, in the summer, we play a lot of like uh, reggae and dance hall, which makes it really fun. Um and yeah, like just like the relationship, you know, it's going to differentiate yeah. myself from uh, from other barbers, the relationship that I have with the client, yeah, for it, sure. um, creating that personal connection. Yeah, the experience, right? The unique personal yeah. experience to keep them coming back. Definitely. Now, we, we sort of lamented to this a little bit earlier, but uh, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about it now. So. Obviously, with COVID-19, everyone's seen a lot of limitations in the in the work that they do. Like you said, businesses, you know, restaurants have had to shut down completely. And when they do open up, it's like, okay, you can have four people max at a table, uh, 50 people max, you know. So everything's operating at, at, you know, a fraction of what it was prior to March of this year, right. um, including a barbershop. You know, there's even right now with you guys being open, there's still limitations, right? Like you can't, from my understanding, you can't groom the face. Like you can't yeah. do someone's beard, um, which is a whole part of the experience experience right and um so tell me about that and and what are the challenges that you've had to face or some adjustments uh, that you've had to to make as a barber due to COVID-19 definitely yeah so when we first open um after three and a half months of being shut down um we had to work at 50 percent capacity so in any given um work period where we would have 10 barbers um and 10 clients we now had to cut that in half so five barbers and five clients And then as the limitations and guidelines started to get looser, I guess, um, we were able to operate at full capacity. But yeah, as you as you said, um, entering back into stage two um, kind of preventing us from doing beard work. Um, I think another challenge that we face as barbers in this industry during COVID uh, would also be people's fear of coming in to get a haircut, period. I think that yeah, there's, for sure. there's people are definitely a lot more cautious and less inclined to come in. A lot of our clientele are wor- working from home now, so they don't feel like, oh, you know, I don't need to get my hair cut every two weeks anymore because I'm not going into the office anymore. I don't have to put on a suit anymore. Yeah, the whole nine. Like you can you can go on and on and on. And like, yeah, like especially the, I think the work thing is a huge point because if I'm not in front of people, I don't need to to look good then i'm not really keen on getting a haircut and that indirectly affects well that directly affects you but um, i think it goes but back it's to one of those what things. you had personally mentioned about you know when when i go into the barbershop i instantly feel better i i'm i'm yeah. excited to go to the barbershop because i know that i'm gonna get that clean haircut i know how i'm gonna feel after i have that haircut and i feel like people and even with myself like honestly when i was off 
I let go a little bit too. You know, I wasn't, you know, straightening my hair and I wasn't putting, you know, my <laughs> nice clothes on anymore. I was just wearing the same sweatpants day in, day yeah, out. Just hanging out. But you forget that like sometimes it's it doesn't have to be for work. Like it can be for yourself, you know? And Definitely. So And I think we all learned that during COVID. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be for a specific occasion. Like sometimes it's just good. And then you see people like getting dressed up at home for certain events. Like I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, I, I wouldn't, but I can understand and empathize with someone who would feel the need to do something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's just not I'm I'm far too lazy for that. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> yeah. Like far too lazy. Yeah, I hear ya. I hear ya. So you you brought this up a little bit earlier, and I think this is a very important point and essentially why I wanted to to bring you on is to learn about what it's like being a Coptic female in this line, uh, you know, in this line of business. But first off, when you were because right out of high school, you went into college and then you had dropped out, like you had mentioned, like what was the was there any cultural pressure around you first when you were making the decision to go? Um, and then when you were making that decision to leave, like, did you feel anything swaying you any specific way? I mean, I definitely I think that every Coptic person feels this pressure from parents to to be educated and I mean, it's a good pressure to have to kind of challenge yourself uh, intellectually to get a degree to, you know, get a good career. But I think that my family offered me a lot of grace. I think that they mostly just wanted me to be happy. And I think that they gave me more leeway than I think other Coptic parents did in terms of choosing my career. Obviously, dropping out wasn't the ideal decision. For sure. And I'm sure nobody wants to see that. Yeah. And me deciding to to continue on with barbering, I, I definitely had certain family members who would much rather see me working um, at a bank or in an office somewhere, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm assuming not, you know, I'm assuming as well, because the major, you know, majority of your clientele are male. Like you're not dealing with actually all of your clientele probably are male. <laughs> majority. Right. So yeah. like that that's, you know, I'm sure for a Coptic parent, that's like, you know, you got to be safe, you know, is it safe and you got to, you know, watch out and, and all that stuff. And, and what I find as well hard and you can talk on this as well, Marina, but do you find it hard for them to understand the possible successes that you can have from being a barber? Maybe not your parents, but people from the culture that you've spoken with or just the way that people approach this, because I feel like not a lot of people actually understand how much of a needed skill set being a barber is all right um yeah so i mean my dad definitely asked me more than one time like are you sure you don't want to learn like women's hair like are you (laughs) sure you don't want to just do that instead and i guess like at the time i didn't really understand where the question was coming from just because like me like thinking of myself working in a male-dominated industry i i didn't fully realize like everything that was going to come along with that and i remember him kind of nudging me and nudging me and you know here and there like you know are you sure you don't want to you know go into to women's hair and this and this that the other but in the end like i know that he, he supports me which is like a very big blessing there's nothing more you can ask for at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that that support and that backbone, I think, gives you that stability and the confidence in the decisions that you're making, right? Yeah, I'm definitely um, lucky. I'm, I'm definitely lucky. Like yeah. my dad, he'll sometimes come all the way downtown from Pickering to just to get a haircut. For me. I could very well cut his hair at home, but he yeah, yeah. wants to support me and he wants to support the, the business that I work in, which is super supportive of him. 
Um, he'll come down, he'll come get his haircut, and then we'll go out for dinner somewhere in Greek town, which is really nice. Memory. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. That sounds great. It sounds delicious. Yeah, um, yeah it's great. It's now, great. Yeah. Now, do you find that it's difficult for you to find, you know, build your name or uh, a reputation in this industry because it's so male dominated and you are a girl? Like, does that, and I'm sure that we're going to get into that more with Barbara Babes, but just want to know how you feel about that. I would definitely say that my, my path as a female is different than a male going into this industry. I've definitely had a lot of people look at me like I was just a question mark and you know just straight up hey, are ask, you lost <laughs> yeah they'll just straight up be like she's gonna she's gonna come here she's gonna line me up she's gonna give me a fade like are you sure like are you sure you can line me up okay like are you sure you know how to do fades and then there would be people who would just flat out say no I'm I don't want a female cutting my hair they'll walk in they'll see that I'm a female and just walk right That's out. so ridiculous yeah, yeah. So I've definitely had scenarios like that. Um, and it used to. I think it's one thing to like only want your barber, but to just flat out be like, no, I'm not going to have a girl cut me and I'm just going to go home without a haircut. Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and it used to bother me. It used to, it really used to, you know, it, make, it makes me feel like people are, are judging me based upon the way that I look, not my skills. You know, and they're Absolutely. kind of just passing up on me without giving me a chance based on something that I can't control. You know, the fact that I'm a woman, you know. And and what did you like? How did that make you feel in terms of obviously it makes you feel angry? But how did you turn that around into something like productive? Right. How did you make that something positive for you? Yeah. So um, I started I I. I realized like I couldn't have been the only female to go through these challenges. So I thought of creating a network online where we're really showcasing female barber talent. And that collective is called Barber Babes, um, as I'd mentioned in the beginning. So if you uh, are ever on Instagram and you want to see what it's about, um, just go check out Barber Babes uh, T.O., I showcase a lot of fierce female barber talent. And I'm just kind of just trying to put that out there so that people can see, see there's so many of us. Like we're rare within our own communities, but there's so many female barbers, upcoming barbers coming out and, and wanting to learn this trade. There's so many females out there that want to learn barbering, that are barbers, that are skilled barbers. So it's just about breaking down that barrier breaking down that barrier showing showing that presence uh, having that presence online and then also i feel like a lot of barber pages focus more on men you know you don't you don't get to see a lot of female talent so it's like okay let's create a network where it's all female <laughs> yeah so you, so you started this network yourself I did. I did. Awesome. That's a great yeah. initiative. And you were able to start this network. And so pretty much you're showcasing the talent of female barbers all over. Have you found that um, people are now reaching out to you more and more? Or are you reaching out more to them? Like where where are you at right now? What stage of the page are you at right now? So it's a bit of both, right? Um, I'll definitely go online and I'll search and I'll find barbers. I'll show them love. And then I'll have barbers reach out to me and they'll tag me in photos and, you know, They'll tag me in their uh, in their work, and I'll find a lot of talent that way. And I think it just it just creates a sense of community where I'm putting something out there on my portfolio, and it's being backed yeah. by an entire community. Yeah, you know. Well, look for me the way I feel about this. I think it's an awesome initiative, and I personally can't wait to see you open up Barber Babes the <laughs> shop itself. 
a fully female operated <laughs> barbershop. I think that would be dope. Uh, there's a huge pocket and space for it in Toronto, absolutely, and definitely, um, you know, just take take these years to hone that skill and be like, yo, I'm out. I'm gonna build this exact business. So I'm gonna be better than you, though. Well, thank you so much for that enthusiasm. It, it, I definitely appreciate the energy, and there's there's gonna be a lot to come um, with Barber Babes. Um, Let's and do I'm, it. I, I like that a lot. It. You gotta be confident. Yeah, you gotta yeah. be confident. Yeah. That's good. So I, I honestly do. I, I can't wait to see that transpire. And I think it'll be great. Um, This kind of segues us perfectly into sort of my next question and, and something that I want to know from you, because we talked about this, obviously, it's a lot of times why certain careers aren't understood or accepted in our cultures because people Mm -hmm. don't really know much about them Mm -hmm. they don't really know the details and and like for example we said not many people know how you can be very successful as a barber (laughs) and the different things that you can do and the opportunities that you have so i want to know from you as someone who grew up pretty much i don't know if you were born here or not but you essentially grew up here your mindset is very different so how do you personally define success like what's your when someone asks you what do you think success is marina what's your answer I think being successful is just having a sense of fulfillment. When you feel fulfilled in doing what you do in your family, in your relationships, in your spirituality. And then you also have to have a sense of calmness, but also challenge. Yeah. You know, um, you don't, I feel like I don't want to be comfortable I feel like it's important to always grow yourself as a person for the people around you, for your career, for yourself. I think that in our Coptic community, success is more centered around get a good job, um, get married, have children. And success is more kind of tailored towards making good money as opposed to something have a good relationship with god which is great make good money but i feel like we kind of lack what's gonna make you happy do what you love here this is this is success for me do what you love find what you love and then make money doing that Look, I'm going to be honest with you because I've been trying to tinker at something and, and I've always wanted to to do something and have my own initiative. And, and when I started this podcasting thing, like I started my first podcast almost two years ago now with, with three of my good friends. And now I started this one a few months back. And it's like, I personally have no idea how I'm going to monetize this or even make it to a certain level where I can, you know, have a salary from it. But the passion is undeniably there and it's going to make me get creative and find ways to make money off it Absolutely. and i think and i think that's the key right like sure maybe i'm not going to make money directly off speaking into the mic but maybe the podcast is going to open my mind in different ways or put me in front of different people or, or maybe you know build different kinds of relationships and where there's a passion and there's care and you really love what you're doing, you're going to find a way to make it work for you. Because at the end of the day, who doesn't want to be happy? Like who doesn't want to live a life where they're, you know, happy every day and and having a good time? Obviously, everyone would love to have a life like that. So once you find that passion, I find that you find ways to make it happen for yourself. I definitely agree. Wherever also like wherever there's a need, what do you mean by that? I feel like if if there's an offering, right? Like you're offering inspiration, you're offering knowledge. There's always there's always going to be a way to kind of monetize that. Yeah. 
I think so too. Yeah, and it's just a matter of finding it. Look, it's not everything is going to be easy. And even if you go the path of let's go get a great job and get a stable income, that's not easy either. Whether it be like a seminar, whether it be a workshop, whether it be, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not yeah. saying we should monetize everything. Obviously, like that's that's a capitalistic viewpoint that I would want to steer away from. And I hope it didn't come off that way. But, no, I didn't take that either at all, to be honest. But I mean, like the lion's den could very well turn into a workshop that people pay for that could be implemented in schools that could turn into uh, seminars. You know what I mean? You never know yeah. like how big you can. No, and, that, and that's the beauty of it. I think when you have that passion and you keep going at it and every day there's a different rabbit hole that you go down. Like when I, you know, I had 30 different ideas of podcasts that I wanted to start and lines then was the one that i that i started but if i'm being honest with you where i first started was nowhere near a cultural business podcast i started out thinking what if i did like commentary over reality tv shows like that'd be kind of funny right like people watch reality tv and then i actually tried to do that i didn't really love it didn't think it was me um it was kind of forced and then you you go back to the drawing board and you're like okay what am i gonna do next how am i gonna do this okay what do people want to hear and then you go from there and then obviously lines then came about and like you said you're gonna find a way eventually uh, but yeah that's just to the point that you made earlier like you just gotta find your passion and do what you love and look you're gonna find success in it one way or another and the more people that you talk to like i had no idea that i was gonna barber until i met certain people they were very very pivotal people like i didn't know i was gonna get this job as a receptionist at this barber shop until i met one of their barbers going home on a train one day yeah. And just talking to him, be like, I need a job. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we got to talk. No, and, to that's, and that's something that I always speak about on the podcast, too, with networking. Like, it's so powerful. Networking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just being open and meeting new people, talking to people. It opens doors that you, you, you never thought would For sure. open before. Now, how do you usually approach breaking down those barriers or changing that mentality around being a female barber and being respected as a barber in the scene? Like, what do you personally, what's your approach? And I'm telling you, your Instagram page is doing a heck of a job covering that for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you. Um, no worries. You're really gassing me right now. I can't even lie to you. <laughs> but social media is a huge tool. It's essentially my online portfolio. It's what people can click to see before that they book that before they book an appointment, my Instagram is is connected to that booking system and they're able to go online and see my work and see if they like what they see. So social media is so important, even for existing clientele who follow you. Um, they get to see different promotions that you have, um, different hair, they get to see different haircuts that I post, become inspired by that. Word of mouth is so old school. It's but it's like the like the number one method. It's so true like from though. day one. It's yeah, yeah. When yeah. your clients recommend you to their friends, or you know, um, even just like reviews. When people go before they go to a barbershop, they just they Google reviews thrown barbershop and for sure. You know, it's it's very powerful, wanna, especially now. Like um, there. Yeah. Google reviews hold so much weight now because like for a business, Google reviews are very, very powerful. Yeah. It, it helps. It helps you in the search engines. It helps you be on the top of the list. You know, the better you are, the more recommended you are. So it's very, very important to have that. And and we talked about that earlier in the way that you differentiate yourself, right, with your experience and making it personable and making it, you know, a memorable experience, something I want to come back to. Definitely. Um, and it, but it, it took a lot. 
like it, it, it wasn't anything overnight. You know, I'm, I'm really happy though, like coming into throne that, that they had a certain standard and they really pushed me to get to that standard and they For were sure. patient with me to get there. So it's important to always look at people who are more skilled. Like this is an, this is an industry where you're constantly being judged. Your, your work is For constantly sure. being judged. You always have to be, you have to deliver all the time. And so you have to not take things personally. You really have to set aside like all ego and just have the desire to grow. Just focus and on the every, work. every one of your customers is like a canvas, right? And yeah. it's your art that's on this person. Yeah. So when they go out and they go to see their friends and, and if you do a good job, you know, the shop that you work in. So there's a pressure from that too, because you know, you're, you're holding their reputation as well. For sure. You know? For sure. Now, with that being said, Marina, I just want to say one more time. When I came across your page, I was floored. Honestly, I was very shocked that I'd never met a Coptic girl with in this pocket. And if you know one, I would love to meet her as well. And just, <laughs> you know, pick her brain and see how she how, you know, how she got to, to where she's at. But I as of right now, you are the only other one. Coptic females to to consider this industry. It's definitely a very fun industry. It's an it's a rewarding industry. I'd love to have you one day. I'd love to have, you know, more Coptic people from our community come in. I think that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm hoping that people listening to this episode give you a shot. At least follow her. Like, at least give her a follow. And I'm going to link, obviously, in the caption. Just take a look at, at her work. It speaks for itself. And, and I know that there's very talented you know, barbers within our community, very, very talented ones. Um, so it's it's a tough, you know, standard to uphold and, and you're doing a great job of that. So I just want to say, um, keep up what you're doing. Honestly, I can see very, very big things coming your way. Barber Babes is a really great start. I think that there's so much you can do with that. And being a girl in this industry in 2020, I think is very advantageous and there's a lot that you can do with that. So I really, really do wish you all the best and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh all the love and thank you for having me on ladies and gentlemen marina bachter aka toronto barber babes founder so i don't even know if it's toronto barber babes but just barber babes founder and elite barber located out of downtown toronto what a cool conversation it was to um really learn a lot about what it's like being in the industry as a female um you know the different standard that you have to uphold being a barber downtown toronto where things are a little bit classier a little bit more pricey but you know poshier experience for a lack of better words and, you know, to hear the different struggles that she that she came across and the different cultural hurdles that she had to overcome was honestly amazing to hear. And I, I'm, I'm super glad to have had the opportunity to pick her brain. So if any of you want to be in touch with Marina, whether it be to learn um, how to be a barber or to get a haircut, you just let me know and I'll be happy to put you in touch or you can just follow her directly from our caption. And uh, with that being said, you know where to find us on Listener, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like and subscribe and I'll come at you next episode. Take care.